0: Well, good morning. Uh, I'm Matthew Nicosia. I'm the director of VBC Kids, the children's ministry here at Valley Bible Church. It's my honor to get to uh, be on staff here. It's my honor to get to uh, to call you brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Uh, it's my honor to get to share the Word of God with you this morning. Wow, it's an honor to have the lights on. That's awesome. <laughs> That's Okay. <laughs> Let's bow in a word of prayer and prepare our hearts to receive the word of God. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for this time of worship that we've had together. We've prayed, we've sung, we've encouraged each other. Thank you for all the hands that I got to shake and hugs I received from dear brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ here. What a privilege it is to be in the household of God today. And to be called a saint. None of us are worthy to be called saints. But you qualified us and you brought us into this family. We thank you for it. Now that we've prayed, sung, encouraged each other. We, we've heard from one another. We've heard our voices sing. But Father, we want to hear your voice today. It's not my voice, Father. I'm thankful for that. But we want to hear your voice through the pages of the scriptures Please, would you open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things out of your law. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would please turn to John chapter 6, John chapter 6, and we're going to be toward the end of that chapter. So if you're using a pew Bible that we've provided for you there, it's on page 756. John chapter 6, page 756. I have a question for you. And you may not understand right away where I'm going with this. That's okay. I want to ask you something. Why are we here? Why are we here? And I'm not trying to say, you know, why do we exist? You know, why are we put on this planet? I mean, like, why why are you and I and the people sitting next to you, why are we all gathered here? What brought us together? What do we have in common that we, you know, decided to show up at the same place at the same time and, and come together to do this thing. I mean, wh- why are we here? Uh, we're we're follow. Uh, we're we're studying a, a series right now called "Follow" in our small groups, uh, followed by uh, Andy Stanley, and we've just got it started. I'm actually starting it with my small group here this afternoon. Looking forward to it. But but really, it's asking the question: What is Jesus asking us to do? If we're His followers, what does it mean to follow? And I. I'm not going to steal his material, as tempting as that probably was this week. I'm not going to steal his material, but I just want us to consider that as we're doing this in our small groups, just to take a few moments to ask ourselves, what is a follower and why is it that we're here? What is it that we're doing here? Well, earlier this week, uh, just as an aside, earlier this week, my wife and I sat down to watch the premiere of a brand new TV show. And usually, I'm not into that pilot stuff. I don't want to be a guinea pig for a new show. You know, tell me if it's good and then maybe I'll watch it some other time. But um, if, if you've noticed on CBS starting this week, there was a new show that, that started called Living Biblically. Living Biblically. And I can see your eyes did the exact same thing when you heard the name of the show. Your, your eyebrows went from here way up to here. Living Biblically on CBS. No joke. That is the name of the show. Uh, Living Biblically, and I'll just tell you, I'll just read for you CBS's synopsis of what Living Biblically is all about, because I want to ask ourselves, would this describe you and me and why we're here? So here's what it's about. Chip Curry is a modern-day man at a crossroads in his life who decides to live strictly in accordance with the Bible. A film critic for a New York newspaper and a soon-to-be father, Chip wants to be a better man following the loss of his best friend. He decides to put his slightly obsessive temperament to use and start living his life 100% by the Bible to find direction. Hmm, Pretty good, right? His smart pregnant wife, Leslie, they're all smart, aren't they? (laughs) His smart pregnant wife, Leslie, while both skeptical and entertained by her husband's new passion, supports him completely. Knowing he'll need some practical advice, Chip forms a God squad, with Father Gene, a Catholic priest who helps Chip translate the rules of the Bible to a modern world, and Father uh, Father Gene's best friend, easygoing Rabbi Gil Abelman, who respects Chief Chip's chutzpah and is glad to serve as a sounding board when they meet at their local bar. How about that? Living biblically at a local bar. <laughs> At Chip's, uh, Chip's newspaper, he finds support from his no-nonsense boss, Miss Meadows, who knows Chip's self-penned story will uh, sell newspapers, and his coworker and friend Vince, who's quick with a reality check and likes to wind Chip up for his own amusement. And he begins his sincere, as he begins his sincere spiritual journey toward a more moral life, with the help of his wife and friends. Chip wonders if he'll be able to take a page, or every page out of the good book, and if the effect will be of biblical proportions. Now I'm not trying to advocate that y'all go home and watch the show. That's not what I'm trying to get at. But as I was watching the show I was wondering, I mean is that is that me? Is is that am I just somebody trying to live biblically? 100% 100% by the Bible. It's it's humorous because you're, you're watching him and he's starting to get into all these laws and rules and it's a real challenge for him. And he's bringing out all these abstract laws and things that he's starting to do. And there's some humor in it, some real genuine uh, funny moments. And it's refreshing. There's a refreshing sincerity about Chip's approach to life. Uh, and they, they don't totally make him look like a buffoon, though sometimes he kind of seems like a buffoon. But I also found that Chip's commitment to live biblically was missing something significant. Or should I say, it was missing someone very significant. Now, I want to ask you today, why are we here? Are we here because we're we're committed to living biblically? What's the difference between a chip and me, or a chip and you? I mean, after all, we're here and we are valley. Bible church, right? If anybody should live biblically, I would think it would be us. Let me ask you this. Do we simply live biblically as an end in itself? Now, understand, I I believe this is the Word of God inspired in its original manuscripts without error And here we have it today, and thank the Lord, we have it in our own language. And some of you may have multiple copies collecting dust at home. We've got it on devices. We've got the Word of God at our fingertips. But I think that there's something that we would say is that while we have the Bible, it still points to someone greater than the Bible itself. And so while I appreciate Chip's journey, and maybe I'll try and catch a couple more episodes just to see how he does I wonder, is that why we're here, to live biblically? Or do the pages of the Bible point to something or someone more deserving of our allegiance? I'll ask you one more time, why are we here? Why are you here? Well, Jesus asked his closest friends, I think, a really similar question. Um, in John chapter 6, verse Uh, 67. But before we get there, just to set the scene for you, in John chapter 6, at the very beginning, Jesus does one of the miracles that, that stand out to us the most, you've probably heard it in a Sunday school class or in a conversation or on TV or something, Jesus fed 5,000 people at least with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. I mean, really amazing stuff. And then after that, his disciples get into a boat. They're going across the Sea of Galilee. They're in a storm. And all of a sudden, they see what they think is a ghost. And who is it? It's Jesus walking on water. I mean, just amazing things, signs pointing to who he is. Then we find that Jesus, when he gets on shore with his friends, crowds again, they, they find him and they start surrounding him and they ask Jesus for a sign. They ask Jesus for a sign. They, I, mean, I can't imagine that, you know, that they're still, they're starting to just start to feel a little bit hungry you know, because that bread and the fish is kind of wore off, but now they're ready for some more. After all, verses 30 to 31, if you'd read those along with me, John chapter 6, verses 30 to 31. They asked him, being Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. Now, it's in the book of Numbers and They're wandering all around, man is coming down and being led by Moses, okay? So their ancestors, Israel's ancestors, and this is what they say. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, I think really what these people are doing is that they're living biblically. (laughs) Lord, we're living biblically. It's written. Bread came from heaven and gave our ancestors something to eat. We want to live biblically Give us something here as a sign so that, you know, we know that, you know, we should listen to you, I guess. So really, in one sense, they're saying, we're here, we're trying to live biblically, but I think they were missing something because Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 6, verse 35, in John chapter 6, verse 48, and also in 51, he says over and over, I... Am the bread of life. You see, they were looking back at the bread. They want to live biblically, but he's saying it points to something, someone greater. And I'm right here in front of you. And then Jesus goes on to say more. It's something that may have seemed absolutely outrageous to them. Beginning in verse 53, you can follow along. As I read aloud, John chapter 6, verse 53, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that the Jesus' disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe, and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Verse 67, Jesus asks the twelve. The 12 that were closest to him. You could almost imagine the scene. There Jesus is. He said all these things. And the people said, this is a hard saying. And he saw their hearts. And they turned around and they walked away. And now all of a sudden it's just Jesus and the 12. And Jesus asks in verse 67, you do not want to leave too, do you? Why are you here? Why are you still here? You've heard the things that I've said. It's very difficult. Why are you still here? Jesus asks. Why have you decided to keep following me? Jesus had a special relationship with the 12. They were his disciples. They followed him. But in this seminal moment, they had to decide what kind of followers they would be? Because see, during Jesus' ministry, many people were called followers, but not all truly followed Him. Many people were called disciples, but not all were truly learners of Jesus. Many believed His words, but not all who true, not all were truly called believers in Christ. So what would the 12 do? Why are you here? Have you decided to truly follow me? But before we answer that question, (laughs) let's just ask the question, what what is a true follower? Now, don't look ahead. If you already did, I forgive you. But don't look ahead. Stop right there. Just let it hang for a second. You do not want to leave too, do you? What are they going to do? Now, A true follower, I think we could define it this way, and I didn't come up with this myself. I pulled it from some other smarter and more godly people than me, but I think a true follower or disciple is someone who has entered into a lifelong relationship with Jesus through faith and allegiance to Him. I'll read that again. A true follower or a disciple is someone who has entered into into a lifelong relationship with Jesus through faith and allegiance to him. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Why are you here? Well, let's take a look at it. I've got 10 marks and I don't have a lot of time. All right. So I'll do my best to be, to, to, to go slowly um, and I'll do my best to get through all of them. But let's just take a quick journey here. And if you've got a, a piece of paper and a a pen, maybe just jot down the references and you could take a look more fully later. But the first mark of one who has truly decided to follow Jesus, a true follower first is called by Jesus. A true follower is called by Jesus. Matthew chapter 9 verses 9 through 12 say this, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Friends, first, if you are truly a follower of Jesus, you can't put it on a badge on your shirt and says, look at the big decision I made. No, first, it's a it's a thing, it's a decision that was made by Jesus. He's the one that calls us. Yes. We're all dead in our trespasses and sins. We don't even recognize The importance of who this Jesus is. But he says to Matthew, the tax collector, follow me. Now, I don't think Jesus is walking up to to Matthew who worked for the IRS hoping for a tax break. He's saying, Matthew, come and follow me and learn from me. I can give you something that money could never give you. So it's Jesus who calls. And notice whom he calls. He calls sinners no prerequisite to say he's going out and he's headhunting and wondering, hmm, he'd be a good disciple. Oh, man, she would make a fantastic follower of me. Oh, man, look at their skill set. Look at their resume. I should go and find them, and they come and be my follower. No, who does he look for? Who does he look for? Sinners. Now, if you go into the grocery store here after church service, and you walk up to somebody that you don't know, and you call them a sinner, uh, good luck. Huh. <laughs> I have a feeling you probably ought to put your dukes up. they be like, who are you calling a sinner? What's the matter with you, right? But that's how these people were labeled in this day and age. They were the sinners, and Jesus called them. He called them to himself. He called Matthew. A true follower is called by Jesus. Secondly, a true follower leaves their old life behind a true follower leaves their old life behind Matthew chapter 10 verses 28 to 31 says this Then Peter spoke up and he said we've left everything to follow you I I don't know if he was trying to make a point I don't know if he's trying to say look at us Jesus we've left everything Jesus says truly I tell you no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with vacations. No, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Peter is saying, Jesus, look, we've, we've left everything to follow you. And he says, I know you have. And you, you could have thought Jesus was like, "Ooh, wait, I, I'm sorry. Maybe the job description wasn't quite clear. That seems a little extreme to me, and I'm sorry for that. I really appreciate the devotion. That's great, but you know what? Go back, Peter. Go, go put your feet up for a couple of weeks. Hang out by the Sea of Galilee. Get a tan, and then we'll, we'll come back and connect back together because, man, you've just you've given up too much. No, Jesus says, I know you've given up everything to follow me, but I've got something better for you. You see, when Jesus calls a disciple One who truly follows him is willing to leave back everything behind in their old past. Maybe there's something in your past today that has just got a grip on you, and it's hard, and it keeps coming back, and it keeps tempting you. Today, friends, I'm I'm asking you because Jesus calls me and you to leave our old lives behind because a true follower of Jesus leaves behind their whole life. We've left everything to follow you everything what is Jesus asking you to leave behind today so that you could follow him thirdly a true follower believes and you may think to yourself duh yeah well a true follower believes I, I couldn't come up with anything more clever than that a true follower believes John chapter 11 verses 21 to 27 say this uh, this is this is the scenario where Jesus is coming to the funeral of his friend uh, Lazarus. And he sees a whole crowd weeping over their friend. He sees Martha and Mary, and and, and, and Martha says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Why are you here, Martha? Are you truly a disciple? Do you believe this? A seminal moment for Martha. Is she truly a follower? Her reply, verse 27 of John 11 says, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who's come into the world. Now, friends, I I don't think that there was anything inherent in Martha that all of a sudden said, I am super courageous. I'm sure through tears she said, Yes, Lord, I, I believe. She was at her brother's funeral. What a difficult situation. I think that's the nature of of true faith of one who really is a follower of Jesus, that even through the pain and even through the tears, they say, I still believe. I still believe. Those are those seminal moments of our lives when we're grieved and we're being crushed, and the true evidence of a genuine follower says, I don't know why I'm going through this but I believe you, Jesus. I believe that you're the resurrection and the life. What are you being challenged to believe today? Believe with all your heart, even through the tears. Fourthly, a true follower remains. A true follower remains. John chapter 8, verses 31 to 32. John 8, 31 to 32 say, To the Jews who had believed him... For a moment, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really, truly, certainly, authentically my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. A wonderful theologian and biblical scholar, D.A. Carson, he talks about this ver- these verses. He says, but Jesus now lays down exactly what it is that separates spurious faith from true faith. Fickle disciples from genuine disciples. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. The verb rendered hold means to abide to remain, it's a theme of critical importance. In short, perseverance is the mark of true faith, of real disciples. A genuine believer remains in Jesus' word, in his teaching, meaning such a person obeys it, seeks to understand it better, and finds it more precious, more controlling, precisely when other forces flatly oppose it. You see, friends, true disciples, they remain in Jesus' teaching. They remain committed to his word. They remain committed to follow him. Even when all the forces of evil seem to be standing against us, those who are truly disciples, they remain. They abide. They hold on to the mark of a true follower of Jesus. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. What what if Jesus' teachings, what, what what if any of his teachings throughout the whole Bible is being challenged for you today or even this week? Maybe it's a command of Jesus. Maybe it's that command, you husbands, to love your wives as Christ loved the church. But everything is opposing that today. Will you remain? Will you remain loyal Will you remain true? Maybe you're feeling tempted to believe the lies of this world, but Jesus is here saying, if you abide and hold on to my teaching, you are truly my disciple. True followers, they remain, they hold tightly. And just when you think, I'm the one that's holding so tightly to you, Jesus, he comes around with his arms and He says, oh no, no, I'm the one that's holding on to you. Part of the reason we remain is because he's holding on to us a whole lot more tightly than we're holding on to him. Fifth, a true follower walks in the light. A true follower walks in the light. John chapter 8, verse 12. A lot from John, huh? John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says I am the light of the world. We've seen I am the bread of life. We saw him say earlier. He said I am the resurrection and the life. And now he says I am the light of the world. So if you're following me, whoever is truly following me is never walking in darkness. Well, what is the darkness? What does that mean? The darkness is the deception of this world. In case you don't realize it, without without the light of Christ, we're walking around blind, people. We're, we're groping around trying to find things. We're bumping into things. We find something and we think, oh, this must be right. But in reality, we don't see that it's wrong. And then we call things that are wrong and we say that they're right. We see it all throughout our culture. We're groping around and grasping, trying to figure out where is the light, where is the truth. And then we find it in Jesus. I am the light of the world. This light is the knowledge of the truth resulting in true living. Let me ask you today, are you a true follower of Jesus? Are you walking in the light? Are you walking in the truth? Are you listening to the devil? Are you listening to the world? Are you listening even to your heart that could deceive you? And it's keeping you from authentically, truly following him today. True followers of Jesus walk in the light. Sixth, a true follower bears fruit. A true follower bears fruit. John chapter 15, 8 through 16. Thanks for bearing with me today, uh, turning all over the place. Appreciate it. John chapter 15, verse 8 and verse 16. Listen to this. Jesus says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 16, he says something similar. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You will show yourselves to truly Genuinely, authentically, be my disciples if you bear fruit. Now this, this one, it this gets convicting. Have you bore any fruit lately? Now I'm not here to say that you're, you're false. I'm not here to say that you're a fraud, but I am here to say that true followers bear fruit. Are you bearing fruit in your life? Fruit of righteousness? Uh, fruit of, of seeing people move closer to Jesus as the result of the influence in your life, whether that's through conversions or maybe just people are sanctified when they get around you because they sense the Spirit of God in you. Is there any fruit in your life? Is there any fruit in your home? Is there any fruit in your prayer life? Is there any fruit in your devotion? Is there any fruit in your evangelism? Friends, just take a, take a self-examination of yourself because Jesus said, You will bear much fruit, and by that, you will show yourselves to truly be my disciples. That doesn't make you a disciple, but it shows that you are a true follower of Jesus if you bear fruit. Are you bearing any fruit today? Do you need help to figure out how can I get on a path to bear fruit? We'd love to to show you how we together as God's people can get together and start getting busy doing good works and bearing fruit together because we're followers of Jesus. Number seven, a true follower lives a life marked by love. You probably don't even need to turn the page. John chapter 13, 34 through 35. John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, loving one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. doesn't get any plainer, friends. Without love, we're not following Jesus because the path of Jesus is a path of love that took himself all the way to the cross. And he says, no greater love does anybody have than this than he laid down his life for his friends. And if you're following me, you're going to be following in my footsteps of love for one another. Are you loving today? Are you holding a grudge against anybody in your home? Are you holding a grudge today, maybe against somebody in this room? Who knows, maybe it's even against me. That happens. I'm sure I've sinned against some of you before. But are we loving each other? Loving each other? Because true followers live lives that are marked by love and compassion and sacrifice and forgiveness. Number eight, a true follower Counts the cost. A true follower counts the cost. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Luke 14, 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. There they are. There's those followers, those ambiguous followers. And turning to them, he said, "'If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children,' Brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, I have a hard time with that one. I really do. Maybe you do too. I mean, we just read, you will show everyone that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Now we come to Luke 14. You cannot be my disciple. If you hate those around you and even your own life, what is Jesus saying there? I think he's saying by comparison, friends, he's saying, you must love one another. But in comparison for your love for me, there should be no comparison. As far as devotion and obedience and love You cannot say, I can't follow you, Jesus, because I love my spouse so much, or I love this boyfriend, or this girlfriend, or this relationship, or this thing, or this habit, or even my own life. I am not willing to follow you because, look, I'm loving. No, you can't call yourself truly a disciple. A disciple says, whatever it takes and I pray that my wife and my kids, I pray that they want to be on this journey with me of following Jesus. But just like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, when he had to leave the destruction of the uh, city of destruction, he left and he had to leave it all behind because he was following Jesus. Following Jesus, counting the cost. He goes on to say in Luke 14, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. He goes on to talk about a tower. You would never build a tower unless you first sit down and estimate the cost. You've got to count the cost. Are you willing to give up what it may take to give up in order to follow me? Are you willing to give it up? Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. True followers of Jesus, true disciples. If you really are here today to say, I have decided to follow Jesus, that means that we are willing to count the cost, if it means everything, to follow him. Who can do this? Why would anybody do this? Number nine, a true follower, it gets even better, a true follower is hated by the world. A true follower is hated by the world. If you're starting to feel convicted, starting to squirm a little bit in your seat, I'm squirming right here with you. John chapter 15 verses 18 to 21, Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Jesus is saying, any true follower, you better understand, part of that counting the cost is that the world will hate you. You will be persecuted. Now, the 12, we we know a little bit about the 12 from tradition, uh, the 12 disciples who were following him. I'm sure these words just probably some nights maybe haunted them, wondering, am I ready? Am I ready to be hated? We know that some were crucified. Some were pierced through with spears. Some were stoned to death. Some were burned alive. Some, we believe that even John was cast into a boiling pot of oil. He was cast into boiling oil, and he survived. I mean, that's almost worse. Why would you want to even survive that, right? But why? Why? This brings us back to our, our very original question. Why? Why are you here What would keep us here to say, I'm truly a follower of Jesus, I'm signing up for this, this is what it's going to cost me, I may lose all of my friends and my family out in this world because I follow Jesus and they're going to hate me because they hate Him? Why? We come all the way back around to that scene by the Sea of Galilee in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verses 66 to 68. I told you to hold on, not to go ahead. So I'm holding you to it now. John chapter 6, verse 66 once again says, From this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And Jesus asks us this question that we've been hanging on here for the last few minutes. You do not want to leave too Do you? Jesus asked the 12, Why are you here? Who would sign up for this? Who would want to follow this and give up everything and be hated by the world? Peter gives an answer. Peter gives an answer. In verse 68 of John 6, he says, Simon Peter answered Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. The tenth and final mark that I, I have here, I'm sure you could find more, is that a true follower of Jesus sees the immeasurable worth. Of following the master. There isn't anything in this world that compares with him. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care who hates me. I don't care what I have to leave behind. I don't care what sin I need to give up. I don't care what relationship I may need to break off. I don't care because Jesus, there's nowhere else I could go to find words of eternal life. True disciples have decided to follow Jesus because they have found and have seen that he's more precious than anything or anyone in this world. False disciples, though they follow for a while, will inevitably find something or someone who they think is worth more to them. I I can't really be that fanatical because this is just too important to me. My American lifestyle, my relationship, My habits. You don't understand the pressures that I face. I have to release myself in that way or this way because it's just too hard. False followers. False followers will find something that they think is more valuable than Jesus. But those who are truly followers will agree with Peter. And it may be a weak confession. I'm weak here with you, friends. Lord, you have the words of eternal life. He alone is the Holy One of God. We've been singing it all morning. I wrote down some of the lyrics of the songs we've been singing. I will bless the Lord at all times. Not because I'm tough, not because I'm strong, for He's good. Where else could we go, Lord? You're the only one that's good. My God is awesome. There's nobody else that's awesome in my life. There's nothing else, no vacation I could take, no savings account that I could have that could say it's awesome because he heals me when I'm broken. He's a strength where I've been weakened. He's the savior of the whole world. He's the giver of my salvation. By his stripes I've been been healed, and today I am forgiven There's nothing in this world that compares with him and true followers of Jesus more than anything. To use John Piper's words, they see and they savor Jesus Christ. They've tasted and they've seen that the Lord is good, and that's why they've decided to follow Jesus. So let's ask ourselves this question again why are we here make it more personal why are you here are, are you a true disciple is it simple are you here to say well you know living biblically sounds really beneficial or are you here because you want to truly be a disciple why are you here what's holding you back today from following jesus What in your life has seemed worth more than Him? What should you leave behind today to follow the Christ? Just as He called the twelve, Jesus is calling you and He's calling me today. And the question is, why are you here? Will you decide to follow Jesus? Now you may already see the steps ahead for you. May, maybe you know there's some things that Jesus has said about following him and you've recognized, I I know what this is gonna mean. It may mean a really difficult phone call later. It may mean that, you know what, I I've got to change something in my life. I've got to make a new decision. Maybe today for the first time you've been living in this world and you say, I've never seen Jesus like this before. I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. I don't know what it's going to cost me, but I want him. You know what the next steps are, and we're here to show you how you can receive and start following this one who is eternal life, this one who's the bread of life, this one who is the resurrection and the life. Well, we're going to sing a song in closing here, and Even though you may know the next steps that you need to take, I invite you today to take the first step just by simply standing and singing as an acknowledgement, not to anybody else in this room, but an acknowledgement to the Lord himself, I have decided to follow Jesus. But before we do that, I want to just give you a moment, a moment, about 30 seconds to a minute just to pray and work it out with the Lord and say, Lord, he's asking you today, he's saying, will you go too? Why are you here? And maybe you just need to give him a prayer of commitment to say, Lord, I want to follow you today. We'll give you an opportunity to do that. And if you feel up for it, if you want to follow Jesus, stand with us as we sing. Go ahead and take a moment of prayer.